Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? It's going pretty well, Riley. I'm just getting excited for Thanksgiving tomorrow. How about you? I am rearing to go for Thanksgiving, man. Do you have any cool dinner plans coming up? You got any fun treats on the table? I wouldn't say anything cool, but... My parents, we were supposed to go up to my parents' place for Thanksgiving. And we didn't end up, you know, we, we canceled our plans. And so they were going to make, you know, this nice meal for us and really treat us well. And so since we couldn't make it up there, they opted instead to buy us some food from a local restaurant. So we have that sitting in the fridge right now. And, you know, we'll heat it up for tomorrow and, and hopefully it'll be good. Well, that's so nice. Yeah, it is really nice. We're very appreciative. How about you? What's uh, what's on your agenda tomorrow? Um, not a lot, really. It's just gonna be just another day in the life. But uh, I think my parents want to order me something as well. But I've kind of pushed back on it. I'm just like, gonna save the save the time and effort. Um, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Know? See, well, that's I don't know. That's kind of what we were saying. But then I was trying to push my wife, and I was like, and you know, they really want to do it. It's not so much that I want it for myself, but they want it's to more do it so for you. that yeah. they want to do it. And so me receiving that gift is in like, of itself a gift to them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, I understand. I understand. That's kind of what I was feeling as well. It's like I'm not going to stop them if they want it. Want to do it. Um, I don't think it's necessary either. Like I was just going to make a nice chicken dinner for myself. Oh, okay. Very good. <laughs> well, then you'll like, my, you'll like my YouTube video for tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. I like all your YouTube videos. How about that? <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm thankful you could say for your YouTube video. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> yes. And Derek says in the chat here, the boys are matching. We were just noticing that before the stream. We got our cardigans, our white, white shirts on. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a nice look, I think. It's a nice look. My wife likes it. <laughs> Plus, I got to say, both the boys' hair is kind of on fleek today, so. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you for noticing. We're, we're really killing it out here. <laughs> but lo and behold, there is a whole world out there of Pokemon for us to explore together in our matching outfits. And so let's dive right into it. There's been some new news coming out this week about some maybe possibly exciting developments in the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, We got the new mini sets coming out in Japan, and it seems like they're themed around the DLC sets. So the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra for Pokemon Sword and Shield, um, really leaning into especially the Urshifu and its two different forms based on some some hints that we've gotten from the selling sheet in Japan seems like there's going to be some new mechanic actually related to Urshifu with single and rapid strike uh, GW yeah. what are your thoughts on that any ideas as to what that might look like well just to again outline exactly what we know about this new set it, it's supposed to be a mini set so not like a full expansion coming out in Japan in March like you said, there's this single and rapid strike um, uh, specification for cards. I would imagine that, I, at least I hope, that it would be one evolution Pokemon that has like two sets of cards. So 
the Urshifu, for instance, being, you know, having having a single strike card or a rapid strike card, and then potentially being able to like play both of those in the same deck and they both kind of work off each other would be maybe one guess. Another guess that would be a little bit more outlandish, but not something <laughs> that has never been seen in any other trading card game would be something where it's you would have one card and then maybe it would it would either flip the card or have like a card that's off on the side of the field that you would bring into play depending on which stance or pose you're in. I, I don't see Pokemon doing that because again, I think that adds a layer of complexity to the game that's a little bit difficult for the younger ages. And I generally see Pokemon, especially now, trending more towards being very friendly for a newer or a younger player. But that's something that we've certainly seen in other card games like Magic, like Yu-Gi-Oh, where you have kind of a sideboard of cards that might come into play depending on what happens with your uh, with your cards that are currently in play. No, uh, for they, sure. They also say here that there would be, you know, uh, the the sheet that you were talking about that was released says that the set will also feature meta impacting cards. So um, the DLC Pokemon that presumably will be powerful. So it's not just going to be kind of a, a collector set as we've seen with Champion's Path or something like that. And then the last point says that there's going to be special artwork, which makes me think a lot about past sets where we've had reprints of cards but it's been like a full art of that card so just a couple of points there to uh to share you can find all this information on pokeguardian.com yeah super cool i'm i'm interested to see like how that single and rapid strike mechanic develops if that's going to just be some sort of urshifu based thing or if there'll be almost like tag team or team flare-esque where there's like tags on individual cards um, yeah what what I picture in my mind's eye when I hear something like that is like single strike cards. You play like one a turn or something, and it does something big, or like rapid strike cards like combo into each other, and something yeah like happens over time. Yeah, and I would imagine they're probably uh, I, again this is all speculation, but um, could be something like what we've seen with the ancient traits in the past or omega traits or whatever we call them oh yeah that's a good thought too like primal clash sets you know so there was some cards that had like a sub trait where it was you know you could attack twice you know that would be a perfect kind of effect for For a rapid strike um, yeah for a rapid strike right so maybe something like that where there's like an additional subtext that's maybe not an ability so it can't be shut off you know it's just an auto effect um would be something i could also see Ancient traits were cool, man. I thought they were neat. It was sad yeah, that like the pool weren't. of like ancient trait Pokemon that actually did anything was very small. <laughs> yeah, that was the problem with those ancient traits is that you had Primal Groudon, uh, Primal Kyogre for a hot second, and really all the others were pretty niche. From our, oh, I guess Rayquaza. Yeah, Mega Rayquaza, and then you had Bumblebee. Uh-huh. Yeah, but generally speaking, yeah, those ancient traits were really underplayed. So maybe if this set releases some. Something like that, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit more played. Yeah, I didn't even think about doing something like Ancient Trades. That seems, that totally seems like what it could be. Um, But of course, like, this is all speculation. Like, we're just talking out of our butts here. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any Pokemon that you're excited to see a card for from the DLC packages? Well, so I don't, I haven't played the DLC yet. So (laughs) I don't quite know what to expect from from the DLC. Uh, I know that there are some new forms. They obviously feature that Galarian Slowbro. 
on the package, which I think looks really cool. I think the birds, the legendary bird trio look amazing and were a very, very good reprint of or a re reimagination of the original, <laughs> of the yeah. original Pokemon. So I could see, you know, those things being really cool to have cards. Yeah, totally agree. I would be excited to see like maybe some of those raid Pokemon come back, like maybe a reimagination of the Ultra Beasts. Uh, I thought the mm. Ultra Beasts are honestly really interesting cards. I like how they all had something to do with prize cards. So mm. maybe reinvigorating that kind of archetype would be cool. I would love to yeah. see Pokemon more often like revisit past archetypes, you know, where sure. I feel like that's something that other card games kind of do where they, and maybe it's just not fit for Pokemon just based on rotation and stuff like that. But I'd love mm. to see like a reimagination and reinvigoration revisiting of, of ideas that they've already treaded kind of like add support to things that exist yeah i mean they they kind of do that in a general sense like you look at you know rain dance decks are kind of always around that's you know? yeah i guess that's more just like i don't know what when i what i'm picturing more is like more ultra beast cars that like interact with the existing ultra I beast see. framework sure 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 so that in maybe an expanded format you could have things that would boost the damage of those older cards in a new context yeah, something like that would be cool. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I agree. We also have one other piece of news. It's very small, again, very speculative, um, and it's featuring a trademark that was just filed by Nintendo and Creatures uh, called V-Star. So we don't quite know what that would mean, but we know that we have, you know, a- amazing rares, uh, and we also have V-Pokemon right now. Um, so perhaps... That has something to do with the combination of the two. Again, we don't know. All we know is that this V-Star trademark has been filed by those companies. Yeah, and it's always hard to speculate off trademarks because they could just be trademarking it for the heck of it um, yep. in case they ever want to use something like that. But um, I don't know. But it, still worth it could noting. Be the ev- still it, worth could, it is potentially like the evolution of Vs, kind of like how we had EXs and Mega EXs mm-hmm. or... Mm-hmm. Um, how we had GXs and tag teams, you know, we had yeah, the or, or a rarity difference, you know, maybe there's some like ultra rare V Pokemon, but it's star, you know, a star or something like that. You know, we just don't quite know, or c- could perhaps be something like a V Pokemon, but you can only play one in your deck, similar to the gold stars that we've seen in the yeah, past. Or the prism stars. The star seems to be a keyword in those cases. <laughs> yep, exactly. That would be cool, actually. I would, I like those kinds of cards. Yep. Yeah, me too. Cool. Any other news out there in the in the trading card game world? I wish we had more. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. That seems like enough. <laughs> don't want to give it away all at once. Sure. Oh, you got you got <laughs> secrets brewing over there. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. So let's dive in then to um, some metagame analysis. Um, so coming up this weekend, we have the Chill TCG event. It's a free-to-play event with pretty substantial cash prizing. So JW, why don't you give us the lowdown on what that event is, and then we'll dive into the metagame. Sure. So the Chill TCG GG Tour Cup, they're calling it, um, is a regional style event happening on Saturday, the 28th. So in three days from now, and it's a multi-day tournament 
um, where, you know, the first day is going to be this kind of Swiss round. I, I'm not sure how many rounds yet. I, I'm sure that that's determined, you know, based on how many people they have, but, you know, somewhere between seven and nine rounds, I would imagine. And then day two, they'll have, again, like another bit of Swiss and then cut to a top eight, presuming that they have enough entrance. And then uh, there's cash prizing on the line for this event. There's effectively $210 for the first place finisher. They've kind of separated it where $200 cash to the winner. And then you get what are called shadow credits, a thousand shadow credits. Every credit from my research (laughs) is worth one cent. So it would be basically $10 of store credit. So $210 total to the winner. And then second place scales down, but it should be another, you know, interesting event for the community. And I can't wait to see what does well. Yeah, you're really researching the shadow credits. <laughs> well, the problem with the shadow credits is that they don't actually say anything on the Limitless site. They have a lot of kind of this fact on the Limitless site where it talks about what's going to happen day one, what's going to happen day two, you know, top cut, all these kinds of things, rules and regulations. But it doesn't quite explain what a shadow credit is, despite <laughs> being having shadow credits being kind of plastered all over the graphic that they have for the tournament. So I had to go to the ggtour.com site that talks about credits, but it doesn't say that they're shadow credits. (laughs) So it it was kind of a thing. So I I may be misrepresenting shadow credits, but to my knowledge, a credit via this company is worth one cent. (laughs) And that's all I got. (laughs) All that research for just a cent, huh? Well, that's my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your two shadow credits i guess <laughs> but it should be another fun uh, event i always love when the community kind of bands together and tries to make something a little bit bigger than just a general online tournament and and there's nothing wrong with general online tournaments but just whenever there's you know a little bit more money involved there's a little bit more prestige involved and i think this event will be, you know, another great thing to just get a lot of the player base energized about playing Pokemon. Yeah. And speaking of energized, actually, perfect segue here. You had tweeted out today a tier list of the meta decks, and that seemed to yeah. really get people energized in the replies. So, well, yeah, yeah. There were a few people that were very, um, that that did want to discuss that that wanted to have some discourse about it and uh one of the most notable was was Danny Altavia and you know he uh is very um you know he has a very good handle on what is doing well i tweeted out this tier list it's not an ordered tier list by any means um but i was saying that i felt like in tier 1 people should you know expect these decks to do very well in this tournament, and I have ADPZ, Blacephalon, Lucario, Melmetal, and Scorch as my tier one. I've found that, you know, ADPZ and Luke Metal have been the two most played decks pretty much since this new format started. Um, they've been just about one and two in terms of number of plays, you know, in every in almost every tournament that I've seen. And then you have Scorch, which is kind of rising there. That has fit somewhere between that, you know, number four most played deck and number two most played deck, Um, obviously preying upon the metal decks doing well. And then having a somewhat navigable ADPZ matchup 
brings that scent to scorch up. We're just seeing a lot more people play scent to scorch this format because of the decline of both Eternatus and Picaram. Now, Eternatus and Picaram, of course, both share that common weakness to Colossal. And so just the sheer existence of a deck like Colossal maybe means that those two decks, uh, Eternatus and Picaram, you know, kind of saw less play at the beginning of the format. Now, do I expect that to change? Yes. But again, like, why are we seeing this rise of Scent of Scorch and particularly this rise of Scent of Scorch, like, doing well? Because it seems to me like we always are seeing Scent of Scorch performing um, at, a, at a high level. And so, again, those two decks, Picaram and Eternatus being on the back burner, leads to an influx of Scent of Scorch doing well. Now, the kind of wild card is a deck that I've really just come to love in the last week, and that's Blacephalon. I think it has a lot of really good matchups. It loses a bad matchup from last format in Decidueye Goons, which was which was pretty difficult to uh, to win. So not that it was very highly played, but still it loses that bad matchup. It gains, you know, the metal decks are pretty easy, even with the weakness guard or the coding metal. Um, you have a lot of VMAX decks just towards the top. A lot of tag team decks not named ADP are generally very straightforward to play into aside from Picaram, which can get kind of dicey if they can get a tag bolt for the full effect. But I've even found through my testing that the ADP matchup isn't as bad as I thought. I had generally thought that ADP had trended more towards, you know, 60, 40 for ADP, but I played it a lot over the last week on the ladder and in tournaments. And I've had about, a 75% win rate against the deck. Um, so I think that speaks Impressive. to, I think that just speaks to the the strength of Cramorant, um, the strength of just the deck as a whole. And uh, I really have been enjoying Blacephalon recently. That's why I have it in my tier one. Uh, if it's tier one for Blacephalon, it just always feels sketched to me because the <laughs> it deck feels is bad, man. I, I like, I don't, I, I'm not happy it's there. Like, that's not true you love the deck right now well i no i'm not (laughs) happy like putting well i i think i just have to concede that it's a tier one like i'm never really i was never really happy that sent to scorch you know kind of became in my eyes a tier one deck right like we're seeing it blow up um some of these tournaments there was one tournament the other day i'm gonna find it on limitless where there were something like seven sent to scorch and top eight i don't know if you saw the results of this tournament but i'll pull it up here for a second um just a massive amount of Scent of Scorch. And at, at a certain point, decks have so many finishes that you can't really ignore them as being some of the best decks in the format. And I think that's certainly the case with a deck like um, like Scent of Scorch and like Blacephalon, frankly. So it is, yeah, the tournament I was thinking about is this Crollo tournament uh, held held yesterday so 113 players in this tournament they had one two three cent scorch in top eight and then one two three four so seven in top 16 just oh. unbelievable showing for that deck in that tournament yeah i mean that that definitely does speak for itself i uh i think both blounds and Senny scorch have kind of gotten the benefit of the shift in the format um you know especially like Blounds has benefited from Senny Scorch trending well because Blounds generally has a decent matchup against Senny Scorch. Uh, it doesn't really play the game the way Senny Scorch wants to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Whereas decks like Peak Ram, Decidueye, um, play the game a little less friendly towards the Blacephalon deck. Um, yeah. And definitely, I mean, the power of Sunny Scorch is certainly undeniable, especially in a meta that's wrought with um, Dacian, uh, Lucar on Metal, and then even the ADP matchup isn't too bad. I also think Sunny Scorch got the tangential benefit of people seem to care about it a little less at the start of this format. Yeah. So things like the Melodics, they certainly weren't appearing anywhere. Um, sure. You know, the Picaram sure. also declining was very beneficial. And um, that's that's a really good point that uh, that Danny brought up in the in the Twitter thread that we had, um, just saying that yeah, you know what, people weren't really respecting or teching for Senta Scorch when they maybe could play other cards that had a little bit more versatility. So the example that he brought up was why would you play Melodic in your deck when you could maybe play a Leon, where Leon helps you just more generally speaking, and the Melodic is really only useful in that Senta Scorch matchup. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, that's the logic most players will adopt, right? Is you want to be as versatile as possible, especially, you know, in these early metagame format tournaments. So, yeah. you know, it logically follows, it makes sense. And Sandy Scorch has preyed upon that for sure. I think big yeah. time that Eternatus and Picaram are back on the rise, at least from what I've seen. Yes. They're certainly being played more and more over time. And mm -hmm. honestly, like the fighting decks don't even really seem like they're keeping up with the meta. You know, they, they don't do well into the Sandy Scorch. They don't do that great into ADP. So, like, what's the deal then? What's the point? <laughs> right. So, right. you know, you know the peak, it's that classic scenario, right? Where if you play those fighting weak decks and make it through the first couple rounds, you're probably doing pretty well. And you probably have pretty mm -hmm. low odds to continue to see them as you go through your tournament. So, um, yeah. I, I for sure think those decks are coming back, which will be to Sandy Scorch's detriment. Yeah, and I think we've already kind of seen a small shift. Um, so we're talking about, again, Eternatus and Picaram, like maybe on the rise. I think Eternatus recently has done pretty well. Um, you're looking at a couple of wins. There was this Sunday Open win um, uh, on, let's see, last Sunday with about 170 players. You're looking at a few other top placements for Senta Scorch, you know, a couple of top eights and uh, one top eight and a, and a ninth place finish in the Hegster recently. And so I think, Cent, uh, excuse me, Eternatus <laughs> is on that upswing already. Like we've already seen players say, I think Eternatus is, you know, worth the risk of playing into a fighting deck. Whereas we haven't quite seen that with Picaram. Like I think a lot of players are, if they're playing a lightning deck that involves Picaram, I think they're choosing more for that Mewtwo lightning build which i think that's perfectly acceptable i think there's a lot of things that mewtwo gives you for the lightning picaram style deck oh, for that sure. are really powerful so yeah i mean both the mewtwo variants right now seem like they're in a decent place i mean just the versatility it offers yeah. the the different attacks that, that you can utilize on that mewtwo obviously very strong um, yeah I, I really am a fan still of like lightning based decks, but that has more of a Mewtwo or Picaram focus. I, I really think the, the hype and I'm guilty of this as well, like the hype for um Colossal was was overplayed and I think yeah. the decks like Picaram, like they have decent Dashian ADP matchups, they have decent Sandy Scorch matchups. The the matchup I feel like I want to see the least is Picaram is honestly like Eternatus and Sure. And that's another deck that's similarly suffered. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, 
Sure. So yeah. And then I, the big point of contention in, in the tier list that I had, that I had tweeted out earlier today was the Mewtwo and whether or not, you know, Mewtwo should belong in tier one or tier two. I think that was the deck that I kind of had the hardest time placing, but ultimately it's lack of like, it's lack of overall results has kind of led me into that tier two. I did some research on like, you know, I, cause I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just like talking out my butt, right. With these, uh, with these lists. But I looked at a number of recent tournaments over the last couple of weeks and just the win percentage of the Mewtwo decks, be it uh, lightning based Mewtwo or welder Mewtwo just wasn't as good as the other tier one decks. You know, you're looking at Luke metal being consistently at that, like, 61, 64% win rate. You look at Blacephalon being about that 60, 63% ADP somewhere, you know, in the, in the low sixties or high fifties. Um, and even Census Scorch having some somewhere about 64, 66% from some of the tournaments that I was seeing, but you just didn't have that kind of dominant, well, not dominant, that higher win rate with the Mewtwo decks. I would say that from what I've seen, the Mewtwo Welder decks have hovered right about 50-50 in terms of their win-loss ratios per um, per tournament. And again, that's not a perfect indicator of the deck's strength just because, you know, maybe there's one player that just loves Mewtwo that brings the whole archetype down, you know, that, but 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 just generally speaking, again, this is over multiple that's tournaments. That's not how I was going to phrase have... it, but I was going to bring a similar point to the table. <laughs> well, I don't mean to call anyone out, obviously. Um, and not that I am, I don't have any specific person in mind, but just that that would be a reason why, know. you know, maybe that archetype isn't doing well on a win-loss ratio. And that's why it's kind of a flawed statistic to just only use. But I would combine that with the fact that we haven't seen Mewtwo uh, win or top four with the frequency that we've seen some of these other decks perform. I think the two other corollaries that you could bring to that is Mewtwo is pretty underrepresented um, relative to those other decks. Yeah, um, Which, sure. of course, might be due to its meta position. But the other position, the other point that I would bring is that Mewtwo has really volatile matchups. Um, mm -hmm. So I think something like a something like a Luke Metal Zacian and ADP are always going to have like pretty similar game plans against every deck. Um, whereas Mewtwo can have like really really tough matchups, some blowout matchups, some matchups that just really run hot either direction. Um, yeah. So, so very meta game dependent. Yeah. So it makes it like hard to like really look at it and and understand like what the win rate means, right? Like you could you yeah, could face like three whimsicots and there's just nothing you can do as a Mewtwo, right? Like <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, I I will say though, if I had to choose between the two Mewtwo's, the Lightning Mewtwo to me seems um better for reasons that you know um you know you get the auto paralyze option with the Raichu Raichu, which is really really important against something like Scent to Scorch, uh, and you potentially could play a hammer, um, you know, play hammers in that list as well, since you don't need to rely on the welder package to power up your attackers. And so that gives you a little bit more versatility in different matchups. Um, so I would personally prefer the Lightning Mewtwo variant. And that also, from what I was looking at in results, performed better on the whole. Again, talking strictly win-loss ratio, um, performed better than welder Mewtwo. For sure. So heading into this weekend, what do you think are going to be the top three most played decks? And what mm -hmm. would your personal choice be? Well, um, so top three most played. I mean, I don't think it changes. So I think ADP 
Luke Metal and Senta Scorch probably remain at the top. I would probably say ADP with the most, Senta Scorch at number two. And then I think Luke Metal will be number three. But, you know, so just kind of Luke Metal and Senta Scorch switch from what's been um, the general trend over the last couple of weeks. And then what would I pick? I would pick Blacephalon. I think that deck can beat anything. Um, but you might need to tech it for, you know, you might need to tech for the mirror. I don't know. Uh, you might need to tech it for like a rise in chaotic swell. That's another card that I haven't seen is, is a ton of chaotic swell. I think a lot of um, ADPs have generally shifted away from chaotic swell. And so, um, you know, you haven't really had to worry as much about that. I don't have a Marshadow in my list right now, but I could certainly see including one for this weekend to try to get around that card, which again, hasn't seen a ton of play. Another thing that would be a little bit concerning would be Eternatus if they run a power plant reset stamp package, I think that would be a pretty big, um, you know, detriment to Blacephalon. I feel like that matchup would be pretty difficult if they could, you know, particularly if they can get something like a spear tomb, take a knockout, uh, and then you knock out a, uh, sent score or excuse me, an Eternatus VMAX. And then now you're at two prizes. They can reset stamp. You play that power plant and then you're in a really tough spot. So if there is an Eternatus that is playing that package, that would be a deck I would be worried about as Blacephalon. For sure. Yeah, I would. I think I would largely agree. I think the top three will probably be some mix and match with ADP. That's the definitive number one is ADP. Then two and three yeah. will be one of Stenny Scorch and Lucaro and Matt Metal. Um, my personal choice, I think I would go with a Mewtwo variant of some sort. Um, I, not, I'm kind of waffling between the two, so I'm going to give a little bit of a flaky answer. Um, I like the, the versatility that Welder Mewtwo gives you. Uh, you get a little, you can kind of splash into that sort of Welder toolbox thing like Danny did um, yeah. in a tournament, I think, about a week ago. Um, I think that's a pretty solid option, but the Lightning one seems a lot more consistent. And, I mean, you can't deny having the full blitz into the, the Raichu immediate option is pretty good. So, sure. Yep. Yep. Um, Agree. Agreed. Definitely a fan let's, of both variants of Mewtwo. Let's take a few of the questions from chat here. We have sure. uh, Danny saying, have y'all looked at Alex Shemansky's cram box on channel Fireball? And the answer is for me, I have not. Can't say I have, no. But I am interested to know a little bit more about that. Jolly Flying Man says, do you think Snorlax has a place in Blounds? I have been thinking about that Jolly Flying Man. And the conclusion that I've come to is that I think I would rather play a draw card that is immediate. So what I mean by that is, you know, you could play either a Zacian or a Snorlax, and I messed around with both. But the problem that I run into with both those cards is that if the opponent just has that Marnie, then, you know, you, you lose it all immediately. So you never get to play any of those cards. So I'd rather have a draw effect that, is able to be used immediately as opposed to having something that is, um, you know, you, you get the effect on the turn after. So my thought there is that, you know, you might want to, if you're playing a Dedenne and a Crobat and a Zacian, or if you're playing a Dedenne and a Crobat and a Snorlax, would be to cut the Snorlax or the Zacian and go for another Dedenne. That's what I've really been enjoying or, or that Crobat that you're missing. I've just been really enjoying the ability to draw and use those cards immediately. And I think that has a little bit more versatility. Yeah, definitely the immediacy of it. And it, I think it depends on how Marnie heavy a metagame is for sure. But 
Um, yeah. I, the immediacy of it is definitely a huge factor. It always feels a little weird to Intrepid Store and then have it be Marnied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just tough because, too, like, I think Reset Stamp 2 in, in certain matchups is a killer. Um, I, you know, again, hate Absolutely. having... Uh, you know, sent a score to reset stamp you. And then the only way you can draw cards is, you know, your Zasha. And that's just like never a good thing. I mean, obviously the other two have to be in your hand. So reset stamp still could just decimate your hand and you don't have anything, but um, you know, it's a lot easier to draw out of a reset stamp. If you have, you know, a quick ball in your hand that you can fetch out a crowbat as opposed to trying to draw out of a reset stamp when the only way you have to draw cards is with your onboard Pokemon ability. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, another th another like niche point about the Snorlax specifically is I feel like sometimes Blacephalon can really run out of switch outs. It's like burning a couple of them to get Snorlax active and then get it out of the active and then start Stellar Wishing seems a little I don't know icky to me. I guess like I've seen yeah. I've seen Blacephalon burn through like six switch cards in a turn and like yeah. having to sacrifice two of them just to get your Snorlax active for one turn and have it be Marnied. <laughs> feels really bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely tough because you're probably not gonna ever play snorlax as like a four of right so immediately your chances of starting the snorlax That's are what I'm very saying, very right? low yeah. they're very very low so yeah again like you said you're gonna have to burn two switch cards just to get it active as opposed to the jirachi which just slots in a lot more easily you have a really good chance of just starting it immediately and you don't have to worry about getting it out of the active later. I also, the thing about the Zacian too, that I don't necessarily love, uh, obviously you can build your hand to like very uh, vast sizes, but the two retreat costs has actually hurt me a lot recently. I don't know if, um, you know, obviously that's a thing. People you know, smell the, the blood. Kind of deal with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it just, it's really sucked. It's really sucked. Having that gusted active early when you haven't played your first welder yet, and then you're scrambling to find a switch and, it's just a big deal. So it's just being able to mess. retreat something yeah. like a being able to retreat something like a Cramorant that you attach to on the first turn or a Dedenne that you maybe started with for just that one energy is pretty valuable to me. Yeah, totally agree. So, any other questions before we jump into card of the day? I don't see anything too major. So let's get into it. So for this week's card of the day, I wanted to cover a card that I am thankful for. And I want it to be one that I'm thankful for recently. And so I tried to think about, you know, what kind of developments the game has had recently, where things have been going. And honestly, I've been a little outspoken about this. I'm not a huge fan of like V-Maxes. I'm not a huge fan of like some of the more recent cards. But one yeah. card in the Sword and Shield block that I'm very, very thankful for is a certain card that's a four of in basically every deck and that's quick ball. And so I just want to paint the picture. If you started playing the game more recently, the metagame <laughs> pre quick ball was an absolute mess. You know, like you only had cherish ball to search things out, which was so restrictive and mm -hmm. the void left by ultra ball and nest ball leaving was immense. <laughs> so if you're having the option to search out a Pokemon, I mean, one prize decks really needed that, right? Like it was insane. Uh, right. I cannot express enough like how big of a deal it was that Quick Ball was reprinted and given that new effect. It was just an insanely huge deal. And obviously, like if you had old Quick Balls, you got that like A nostalgia factor and B, like you could sell them for a lot of money, um, yep. which is also something to be thankful for. But overall, just 
I that's a card I'm really thankful for. I like honestly, like can you imagine having to play this format without with like PCOMs as your only search? Like gosh. it would be rough. <laughs> that would, would be, be awful. Rough. That would be so bad. And so yet another know. nerf to one prize decks and basic <laughs> decks, you know? So like It'd be crazy. I I gotta throw respect, and I think it's a pretty well designed card on the whole. Like, you know, Ultra Ball has that extra versatility, being able to grab anything, but you discard an extra card, which sometimes can even be a good thing. Um, whereas Quick Ball, you know, get like a little bit more of effect out of it than Nest Ball because it goes to your hand, but at the same time you have to discard a card. I, it just seems like it fits right in the middle of those two ex- those two extremes of Nest mm-hmm. and Ultra Ball. So yeah, certainly, certainly, and we look. You know, we look on quick balls being, you know, kind of frustrating now where it's like it feels so much like the person that can start with a quick ball in any given matchup, like has such a huge advantage. I don't know if you feel that way, but I always like. No, I, I kind of do. I also yeah. another another pro to quick ball is you can get stamped to one and draw a quick ball. And then you top deck, and that quick ball is playable. Whereas with Ultra Ball, if you get stamped to one or or end to one, you draw an Ultra Ball. That card is not playable for another turn. <laughs> right, that is true. <laughs> but yeah, I that totally agree. Like Quick Ball is so powerful; it kind of defines the pace of the game right now. And you you just wish you could play eight of those suckers. Honestly, like <laughs> that's, that's true. How, that's how amazing the card is. Uh, but it, to me, it never felt. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a card that's like strictly insanely broken it's just it's a card that every deck needs and thrives with having um, sure as opposed to something that's just like you play this you instantly win the game you know right right which i think is a mark of like a, a decently designed card at the very least sure absolutely so thank you quickball thank you pokemon for not leaving us <laughs> stranded with pcom i i don't think we can go back to those times <laughs> That's right. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Imagine Pretty if we rough. were all running like we were running like the Oaks lecture or whatever oh, and Pecoms oh, yeah. as like our engine. Well, we could play it would probably be like four Sonya in decks. Yeah. But right? Sony only came out more recently. Until then we would have yeah. had the like the Professor Oaks where you like get three different types. Or they go to your bench. Oh crap, they don't go to your hand. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, check yourself, Riley. Oh no. It was such a mess. <laughs> it was such a mess. <laughs> People would play like one of evolutions so they could use evolution incense for their peacoms or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> sounds funny. crazy, but I could see it. So so that's what I'm thankful for. And so as we wrap up today, JW, I wanted to pose the question to you, not a card, but what is something that you are thankful for within Pokemon? We talked about this last year and we really hit on like the friendships element of it. So we're not allowed to say friendships. What is something that you're thankful for within the Pokemon trading card game? What am I thankful for in the Pokemon trading card game? Can't be a card and it can't be friendships. Well, I'm thankful for... Oh, okay. I'll kind of say two things because one of them is like kind of friendships, but also it's kind of not. But uh, the first thing, I am thankful for a client that we can use. I'm thankful for PTCGO. I know that's not a very popular opinion, but I think <laughs> the more that people say it and and bring it into the universe, the more that others will like maybe not be as harsh on the client. I mean, certainly there are criticisms to be had uh, and very valid ones at that. 
But I think the way that we go about them can be out of a position and posture of appreciation and wanting better as opposed to criticism, uh, hurtful criticism and just kind of angst and, um, uh, and, and vitriol. And so I'm thankful that we do have some game that we can play online with friends that we can organize, uh, you know, these great tournaments with that we can, um, uh, play together, that we have something that we can test our cards that we don't need to do Skype things. And um, (laughs) certainly it's not at the level of some other card games, but I'm thankful that we have something like that. The other thing that I'm thankful for is the community step up in these recent months. I think it's been really interesting to see because I've been in the game for a long time and it's been really cool to see how many people have really stepped up and said, I think it's my duty to provide something to the game that can't be provided by the company itself. And that shouldn't go unrecognized. So if you're a tournament organizer out there and you're listening to this, I just want to say thank you for your efforts because without you, there would be no us. Well, there would still be us, but there would be no us. Oh, you'd be wiped uh, from existence. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, it'd be harder. It would be much harder for us. Um, and it, I think the game just would immensely suffer as opposed to just minimally suffer from the lack of in-person events. So thank you to the people that run and, you know, I guess extend that out to the people that attend online events. For sure. That's awesome. What about you, Riley? Tell me, tell me something that you're thankful for outside of, you know, card design. Um, I think I, I thought about this as well. And I think for me, outside of card design slash friendships, um, one thing I really enjoy is just how like simple and fun the Pokemon trading card game is. So, you know, it's easy to get into while still having that like layer of complexity. And so for me, uh, and what I'm leading up to with this is it's really easy to just dive into Pokemon. And I got into Pokemon and really dove into it when I was in like a really dark time in my life. And even outside of the friendships, it was just something I could like channel my energy into. And I always felt like I was doing something, you know, I was a huge, and I still to this day, like I, I solitaire cards and decks all the time. And like Pokemon's like, it's just a great game where you can sit down and play your cards and, and kind of just forget about everything else around you and enjoy the simple, fun, excellent game that you're playing. Um, so I'm thankful for Pokemon, not just for the friends, but for the opportunities it's afforded me. I'd also say, um, I'm thankful for Pokemon for pushing me outside my like normal comfort zone um, in the fact that, you know, I've traveled to all these interesting places. I've had new experiences. Um, you know, I went to Brazil. I've been all across the country and to, to, you know, to Toronto and all these cool places that I definitely wouldn't have gone otherwise. Um, yeah. So that's super cool. And I, I love like sharing those stories with people. And it's funny, you know, being like being a 10 year old and being ashamed of playing Pokemon and like telling that to your friends. And now now I tell people like because it's a cool thing that I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm thankful generally for the opportunities afforded to me by Pokemon and for the experiences that I have within it with both the ones I have in the living room of my friends and the experience I have around the world as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's great. Well, let's open it up now to any 
viewer questions uh, that you might have concerning you know tournaments that are upcoming or concerning uh, any kind of future cards or anything you want to ask. We have one here. Danny says, thoughts on Dragapult VMAX? I'll pose that question over to you, Riley. Yeah, Dragapult, I've, I think I've talked about it on the cast. If not, I've definitely talked about it offline. Um, Dragapult's a cool deck, and it's definitely a fun deck to play. Um, I think it leans a little too hard and just to denying energy to the point where it's like, it, you know, is Dragapult really the, the good part of this deck, or is it just the fact that you're denying a crap ton of energy and Dragapult's also there? Um, mm. And I think it's more the latter than the former. <laughs> um, yeah. That said, you know, Dragapult's a really fun way to play that style of deck. Um, so, you know, no complaints from me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you just run into the problems where you have VMAX Pokemon that just have so much HP, you know? When you're right. swinging in with Dragapult into a Scorch, and it's a fresh Scorch, like, it, it feels bad. You do have the Snipe, right? So you can you can make some cheeky plays, but, like, against the non-tag teams, against the VMAXs, you know, Eternatus, obviously horrible. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Colossal can't be great. Um, you know, a bunch of the other, you know, Inteleon, Lucario I would even Melmetal. go as far to say. Yeah, Lucario Melmetal kind of sucks, but, um, yeah, it just, against those high HP Pokemon, it's just, <laughs> you're not... You're not having a good time. You're not having a good time. So uh, Dragapult, certainly something that I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe take a top eight or a top 16 slot, but definitely a deck I would be surprised to see win an event. Yeah, I would agree. The other comments in the chat here, my friend Tom is saying he's thankful for Yan Mega Break. That's cool, man. Uh, <laughs> Got a comment from Sham Dodi in chat. Hope I didn't butcher your name. Said, hey, first time watching you guys on Twitch, but I've been subscribed and listening to you guys' podcast last several weeks. Love the content. Well, thank you so much. We're thankful for your viewership. <laughs> Ryan says, is there any chance for a good spread deck in this format? That's a good question. I saw Andrew recently post something about the Galarian Darmanitan vmax deck with that spread and then obviously uh there are some things that you can do with like cramer cramer based decks with the scope um you know i was seeing some some expanded lists that are playing scope with the mew and the dimension valley and the cramer and so you're hitting 190 a turn for a stadium and a dce that looks really cool i don't know riley what are your thoughts on spread decks in this format in particular have you done any messing around with darmanitan have you done any messing around with the barris scuda crabby you know decks? um not really more with the or even orbital i guess yeah more with the orbital than anything but honestly like i was saying before orbital doesn't really take that much advantage of the spread um except if there's like a zigzagoon on the field versus eternatus so um I don't know if that really qualifies. I don't know if there's like a really great spread deck. And the fact that Mew exists kind of hurts the the concept. Um, if they ever do rise to prominence, right? Because then people just play yeah. Mew and they use their 4-0 quick balls to find the Mew. <laughs> yeah. And so that's yeah. unfortunate. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's like an attacker for spread that's good enough to really justify spread. I think it's more like... The decks that spread are also are just like generally okay. Like the Darmanitan saw some success, but like the Darmanitan's like a decent card even without doing the spread or, or not. So, you know, it's a high HP V Max that does two hit KOs. That's like 
you know, that's every other yeah, VMAX. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty on par with a lot of the other VMAXs. <laughs> right, so, exactly, exactly. That's kind of my thought. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that the spread doesn't maybe impact the I mean, the spread is The much. spread is good, for sure. It's just like, yeah. you know, does it really... At the end of the day, you're still a gigantic VMAX at 2 KO stuff, so... Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> just, just in a different color. That's how it works. <laughs> Blue this time instead of, instead of red. So good. Well, that will close us off for the podcast. Thank you guys once again for listening. I know Riley said it already. I'm very thankful for you guys. Thank you so much for uh, your support over the last, you know, few weeks. Uh, Wait, GW, I do have one more question for you, actually, in the spirit of Thanksgiving. What is your favorite bird Pokemon? Favorite bird Pokemon. Does Noibat count? No, that's a mammal. Noibat, Noibat doesn't count. The mammal. Okay. Does Crobat count? Bats are still mammals. Last I checked. Okay. <laughs> so Zubat doesn't. Also <laughs> Nor Golbat or Swoobat. <laughs> Time for me to take a biology class. No, I'm, I'm messing. I'm I'm memeing. I'm memeing. Um, let's see. I think it had to be like Unpheasant. Ooh, that's an untraditional answer. Yeah, well, I just remember there was this Unpheasant Mew Prime deck back in the day where you had lost on the, the Unpheasant and then you would get to flip and basically flip <laughs> yeah. like two coins and then it would make you invincible and that was just like so gas. Yeah. That's still like a legacy deck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Ladder. It's so funny. When it works. <laughs> that's funny. I think for me, it's a toss up between Swallow and Talonflame. Oh. Both both classics. Oh. <laughs> Maybe Talonflame like not one. a classic, but a recent success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good ones. <laughs> well, <laughs> not to take away from your thought, we do sincerely appreciate and are thankful for all of the members of this community. We're thankful for the Pokemon community at large, um, and we we since we just can't express that enough. You know, we thank you all the time, and it doesn't really do it justice. Um, be sure to follow us for more on our social media platforms. That's Smiles with Riles, Real John Walter, and Tag Deep Pokemon on Twitter, as well as our Twitch channels. That's Munner and Flex Daddy Righteous. If you're interested in interacting live and you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, be sure to follow twitch.tv slash Munner where you'll get those notifications of when we go live every Wednesday night. So that's a really big way to kind of get more involved in the podcast absolutely most consistent podcast in the game even recording the day before thanksgiving so (laughs) love it (laughs) we appreciate y'all we'll catch you all in the next time and we hope that you have a very happy holiday if you're in the states and that you have a nice day regardless if you're not (laughs) enjoy guys happy thanksgiving bye everyone